The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 24 Of Clovers End of Noon June 2002 Parties Who would have thought that parties would be a bigger part of my life as an undergraduate living in a tiny coastal town than they were as a rambunctious high school student living in the heart of Seattle? Not me. I never would have thought that. This was a different sort of party, though. This was a family and friends party where everyone in your circle, great uncles and stoner kids, grandmas and cheerleaders, somehow meld together into one single pot of gumbo on your front lawn. We arrived at the party on time. Sam carried the cake and I carried the awkward box of chocolates I had bought at the bakery as a last-minute graduation gift. Sam's childhood home was incredible. It perched at the top of a fairly steep hill, which admittedly made it sort of difficult for guests to convene in the front yard. They were scattered around, drinks in hand, standing in kind of weird positions on the steps, the porch, angled on the hill, or even standing in the gardens like little garden gnomes. The house itself was made entirely of brick and projected some of that creepy haunted house sort of flavor. The roof was peaked steeply, almost in a menacing way, and the only hint of disrepair were a couple of moss patches near the gutters. The whole thing was eerily reminiscent of Hansel and Gretel's gingerbread house, which made me love it all the more. This is where you grew up? I asked. We had always lived in some sort of apartment or condo. It was great in its own way, big enough for the three of us populated by interesting neighbors and the occasional argument through a wall or out in the common area. But I had always been drawn toward the historical houses, too. Yeah, he said. My parents bought it right after they left Burning Rock. It was a pretty cool place to grow up. The steep concrete staircase, cracked with plants growing out of the seams, led us up to the front porch where a group of kids sat drinking soda. I nodded briefly on our way through, but certainly didn't stop to talk to anyone. My high school days had not been kind. I wasn't kind to them either. It had been a bad time all around, and to be honest, I still haven't found a good way to relate to kids in that era of their lives. I find it best to simply avoid them. I had been keeping secrets in my high school years, after all. My sister had been unwell, or so I was told. Mom sent her upstate, and I knew that I couldn't talk to anyone about it. It wasn't my story to tell, and even if it was, it wasn't the kind of story that made you friends. So I bottled all that up and found that along with it, I bottled everything else up too. I followed Sam into his house and was greeted immediately by a festive and delicious chill. It was the kind of chill that made you long for fireplaces and candles and checks mix, even in the heat of summer. 
The house was fairly empty. Judging from how crowded the front yard was, everyone was outside. Sam put the cake down on the kitchen counter while I took a look around. The kitchen was bright and tidy, but had a lived-in look that I found comforting. The coffee pot, scooted up to the sink, was still warm and sizzling. There was a pile of dishes in the sink, and someone had left a giant stack of books next to the oven. That reminded me of Sam. Always books. Always everywhere. There were maps hanging on the walls, too. It took me a moment to realize that they were all fictional places. What are these? I asked, moving up to look at one labeled Numenor. My dad draws them, Sam said. This one's from Tolkien's work. Numenor was an island kingdom that eventually sunk into the ocean. Kind of like Atlantis. He looked up at the map for a moment and then said, Grab some coffee if you want. Let's go find Logan. I took him up on it, emptying half the pot into a giant mug that was hanging from the underside of one of the cabinets. I love people who have hooks for mugs on the bottom of their cabinets. They're almost exclusively big old sweethearts. Sam led the way through a pair of pristine French doors on the back porch. There was a guy grilling something that smelled amazing. It was probably just burgers or hot dogs or something, but somehow the smoke might as well have been the smoke of heaven given that my diet had consisted largely of ramen and breakfast cereal for the last six months. Hey, Donnie. Sam nodded to the guy at the grill. What you making? It's just burgers, my friend, Donnie replied. He glanced at me and then looked off behind us. Is Lana with you? Sam laughed. Dude, you are so transparent, you're literally holding your cards backwards right now. She didn't come with us, but she's coming later. Got it, Donnie said. Who's this? He nodded to me. It was neither friendly nor hostile. Just a question, and I appreciated the detached curiosity. Right, this is my friend Ivy, Sam said. Cool. Hey, you guys ready for a burger? And somehow, in spite of having just eaten that waffle, I was totally and completely ready for a burger. Sam and I grabbed a couple buns off of a nearby table and returned to the grill. Donnie had just slapped a patty on my plate and thereby made significant strides in becoming my best friend when a sharp-looking middle-aged woman approached. Mom, Sam said by way of greeting. It was pretty obvious that they were related. I had seen that same steely look in Sam's eyes when he was irritated with something. I had mostly seen it when he was talking about how badly he wanted to get out of Burning Rock, to be honest. Plus, she looked almost exactly like Lana. She had the same auburn hair as her daughter, though hers was shorter, and I think she had more product in it to make it behave. There was a simmering frustration under the surface that reminded me of Lana, too. You must be Ivy, she said. I nodded and reached out to shake her hand. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Grayson, I said. I hadn't called anyone Mr. or Mrs. Anything in years, but somehow it felt appropriate. She shook my hand and then quickly turned her attention back to her son. 
I'm glad you made it, she said to Sam. Her tone was heavy with meaning, giving me the impression that she might actually be calling him out. I need to talk to you for a minute, she said. Sam looked at me. We were actually just going to find Logan, he said. Just for a second, Mrs. Grayson pressed. Sam gave me an apologetic shrug and followed his mom. It was fine. I didn't need a babysitter. Or at least I liked to pretend that I was secure enough not to need someone to talk to at a barbecue. I glanced over at Donnie, thinking that I might shoot the breeze with him for a while, but he had closed the lid on the grill and moved back a few yards to talk to a group of people playing hacky sack. He joined in. He wasn't half bad. Instead, I took a seat on one of the benches beside the grill. At least I had a burger to eat. I wasn't super keen on meeting any new people today anyway. I don't really like meeting people for the sake of it. People are great if I think I'm going to see them again, but that wasn't going to be the case with Logan's graduation friends. The burger was good, probably from Costco and seasoned well, probably by Donnie. I hadn't bothered to put anything on it, but that was okay. It was pretty good plain. I did my best to appear completely absorbed in eating that burger. I was about halfway done eating and doing pretty good at avoiding eye contact when I heard a voice that I didn't recognize call me by my full name. Well, if it isn't Ivy Romeo. I looked up, quite confused. The guy standing in front of me was younger than me, but I couldn't really tell by how much. He was blonde, tall adjacent, and wearing a sideways baseball cap that was straight out of the last decade. The impression he gave was immediately friendly, maybe a tiny bit silly, and I found myself relaxing in spite of the strange fact that he knew my name. Hi. Do I know you? I responded. Probably by name. He grins. This is my party. Oh, you're Logan. I nodded. Well, congratulations on never illegally being forced to take a math class ever again. He shrugged. Unless a judge orders it as some kind of community service. Are you expecting to be in front of a judge soon? Well, you never really know, do ya? I was about to suggest that he just refrain from committing any crimes, but given that he was Sam's brother and they seemed to share a sense of humor, he would probably just remind me that he could be falsely accused. Hey, seriously though, thanks for coming all the way up. Are you and Sam dating or something? The way he asked made his question sound purely informational driven. So I responded in kind. Nah, just sort of dorm buddies, I said. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Logan nodded and sat down across from me. So, Sam says you're from Seattle too. Ballard. Ah, my last high school baseball game was against Ballard. You guys suck. Thanks, man. I had to laugh at that. He took a bite of his burger and gave a goofy smile. Oh, I said, suddenly remembering the box of chocolate sitting next to me, probably melting all over the bench. There was really no not awkward way to give this to him, especially because I hadn't thought to wrap it or get any kind of gift tag. So I simply reached across the divide between the benches and handed it to him. I, uh, 
brought these, I said. Bro. A smile spread across Logan's face. Thank you. About time this party got started. At first I thought he was making fun of me, but it only took a moment to realize that he was actually being genuine, if overselling it just a little bit. So, he said after a moment, you want to see that book or what? I very much wanted to see the book, but I was pretty sure that Sam would be super bummed if I went through it without him. Sam would kill me if I didn't wait for him, I said. Dude, my mother has Sam. We may literally never see him again. Come on, I'll show you. He gestured toward the house with his drink, and I had to admit, going back into that cool, relaxed kitchen sounded nice. Logan got up and took his chocolates with him. I followed. I am curious why you couldn't just send pictures of the book, I said as we stepped into the house. Because I didn't find the book until this morning, he said, like that should be obvious. Once inside, Logan led the way up a narrow flight of stairs, fenced by a blocky white rail. I loved this house. It was old world with a modern twist, and I recognized the chunky craftsman style from my grandfather's house. I fell a bit behind as I followed Logan down the hall. I think part of me was hoping that Sam would catch up so we could all see this thing together. It was probably dumb, he probably wouldn't care, but somehow it felt like something we should do as a group. Like any normal upstairs hallway, there were multiple white doors spaced at intervals. I passed a bathroom where I caught sight of my reflection in the mirror and a closed corner door that probably led to the master bedroom. One door, standing ajar, caught my attention because it had a whiteboard just like Sam and Crown's door back at the apartment. I slowed down and took a look inside. It was definitely Sam's room. There was a spare ice cream hoodie draped over the chair, a rather cutting-edge desktop computer, and a whole shelf full of every imaginable type of book. There was one about flying helicopters, one about Einstein, and one about the ancient art of origami. October 2007. One of the rules of our coastal monster game is that players can't walk down to the beach together. People feel safe in groups, and so we always stagger our departures from the apartment. Tonight, I'm the last to leave. When I finish recording my podcast and step out into the moonlit apartment, everyone else is long gone. A few minutes later, Crown texts me and tells me to make my way down to the cove. Most of the rules operate on the honor system. For example, there's no one there to monitor me as I lock up the apartment, silently walk down the stairs, and slip out through the back door. No one watches to make sure that I leave my phone in my apartment and use only the dim flashlight to light my way. No one listens to make sure that I don't hum a comforting song to myself. The game starts to mess with your mind the minute you start playing. From the moment you get the text telling you to leave home, you know that you're stepping into a world that's been warped. Sure, I know I'll see my friends down at the beach in just a few minutes, but in a very convincing sense, they won't be the friends that I know and love. Not really. 
The asphalt slowly turns to sand. It doesn't happen all at once. It starts with a sprinkling of sand here and there until, eventually, you can no longer feel the firm road under your feet. Only the shifting sands. Sometimes I ask myself why we still play this game. For a long time, we put it aside, feeling, without even discussing it, that playing would be in poor taste. I was the one who brought it back. Perhaps it was some kind of attempt to reclaim what had been taken. There is something about Haunted House, Carnival Ride, Bloody Mary, horror movie fear that is so unlike the real thing. The kind of fear you feel when you play this game kind of makes a mockery of the fear that I felt when Sam disappeared. It stands up and laughs and promises a brighter tomorrow, even if you're pretty sure that that tomorrow will never come. The moon is almost full, but not quite. That would have been too perfect, I think. Instead, a waning moon stands sentinel over my group of friends and their smoldering bonfire. I count ten other people as I approach. Lana, James, Crown, and Logan's there too. I haven't seen Logan in over a year and I have to resist the urge to break game protocol and hug him. It had been too much for him at first being here in town with the people his brother had lived with. But now he's back, and it's for my birthday of all things. He smiles. Steven, Lana's boss from Mugsuvius, is there, and I recognize a few other random friends of Lana's, but I don't know their names. They don't wait for me as I approach. Instead, as soon as Crown sees me coming, he turns away from the bonfire and starts walking down toward the ocean. The others follow silently. I catch up with Logan and smile at him. He smiles back. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>